Welcome to the Real Church Podcast. Our mission is for you to know the love of Jesus and live out your God-given purpose. Now, join us and listen in to the latest message from Pastor David John Phillips. It's a pleasure to be here for me. I just, once again, my name is David John Phillips. I'm the pastor here, and there's no place that I would rather be than here preaching the gospel, preaching the good news of Jesus and what he's done for you on a Sunday morning. So thank you for coming. Thank you for choosing to to spend your Sunday morning, your foggy Sunday morning here at Real Church. Um, And also, I just want to give a big hand clap to our dream team, the people that welcomed you in, the production team, the band, the, the kids ministry, all of that. If you guys would just say thank you, the cafe team, ushers, security. Without them, we couldn't do real church. They are, uh, they are real church, man. They, they, they're serving every Sunday morning and, and throughout the week. And I just, just, I'm so grateful that we have such an amazing team. So we are getting started. We are doing, once again, the Asking for a Friend series. If you don't know what Asking for a Friend is, let me put it to you like this. It's when you have a question that you might feel is a little bit awkward or, or a question that you think that, that maybe you should already know the answer to or one of those questions where, you know, it's, it's kind of... Um, What's the word? Faux pas. It's not, it's not something that people normally ask. And so when you finally do work up the courage to ask someone, they look at you, they kind of give you that weird look, and you're like, I was just asking for a friend, right? You know, so, so we're continuing that asking for a friend series. And we put out online, we put on social media, we've given out invite cards that have this QR code on the back. These, these, um, uh, Oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. The link to a survey, an anonymous survey, where you guys can go to this link on this anonymous survey and, and you fill it out and it says, hey, ask me any question about Jesus, about God, about church, about religion, and you can ask anything. And then we take those questions and those questions are the topic of the sermon, of the message on Sunday morning last week, this week, and all of February. So I encourage you, take, we have lots of invite cards out in the lobby. Take some of those cards. Ask a question yourself. Ask anything. You can ask a crazy, funny question because we'll probably use it at the beginning of the message. Or you can ask something serious if it hasn't been answered yet. Make sure to take it. Ask those questions and also give them to your friends because, man, there's a lot of people that have a lot of questions about Jesus. And I'm not promising you that I have every answer because I'm just a guy. Right, but I'm going to ask Jesus to, to show me. I'm going to look in the Word and give you the best that I got. Is it fair enough? Is that fair enough? Okay, so let's, let's get into, uh, just to, you know, break the ice a little bit. There was some, some lighthearted questions that people sent in. So let's start with question number one. Will I go to hell if I think PDQ is better than Chick-fil-A? So... Um, you know, the, the person that made this slide for us, I noticed that at the bottom, he, he made the decision for me. Yes, apparently, it is written in the slide, you will go to hell. If you, you know, Chick-fil-A's Christian chicken, they're not even open on Sundays, right? So it's baptized in peanut oil. So uh, I do like PDQ, I, I think I like it as much as Chick-fil-A, so I guess I'm on the verge of, you know, I'm on the fence there. I, it's blasphemous. So number, number two, 
Who is going to win the Stanley Cup in 2019? Once again, these are real questions that people anonymously asked about God, church, religion, and life. Okay? Um, I, I, know, I think I know who asked this question. I'm pretty sure um, some, some of my dream teamers asked this. As a matter of fact, they were so generous to take me and my wife to my first ever hockey game, which was awesome. I am a guy, I like, I play with... Uh, uh, I play sports that have like a ball. I'm a soccer player. I'm a football. Um, I like basketball. I like, so I asked, you know, is it, is it a hockey match? And they're like, no, it's a hockey game. So, okay. Shows, shows what I know and what I don't know. But it was a lot of fun going to see the Tampa Bay Lightning play. It was, a, it was a blast. Hockey is so much fun in person. It's so fast and amazing. And from what I know, I know that, that Tampa Bay is number one in the league right now, and they're number one by a long shot. So in faith... I'm saying Tampa Bay Lightning is going to win Stanley Cup in 2019. Hey, hey, who would have thunk it? I, I know that's not a word, I just say it, but who would have thought it that, that Florida would have the number one hockey team? I mean, really? Like, it's because we recruit Canadians and Russians, right? <laughs> All right, let's, uh, we're about to get into some, some, some deep, questions like people people have a lot of stuff on their mind and a lot of stuff about God and and, and religion and, and, and stuff that, that probably you've asked before and and I'm not gonna lie this message I've wrestled with this message I have wrestled with this but if I'm gonna be honest if I'm gonna have integrity with the questions coming in I have to answer the questions that you guys ask the most right? If I'm going to serve you well. So let's pray because I need prayer. (laughs) Father, you are amazing. Whether or not people in here, some people in here might not think that you're amazing, you are. That's who you are. You're God. You're good. You love. You love people. You love them where they are and you love them too much to leave them where they are. So, Father, I pray that today you do whatever it takes to move us forward in our understanding of how much you love us, our understanding of your plan for us. Father, I I pray that you, any distractions, anything that would would hinder us, or Lord, that just be gone in Jesus' name. And I pray peace and rest over this place. Everybody under the sound of my voice. God, I pray that, uh, Lord, that, that you speak. I can't speak in a way that changes lives. I'm just a guy. But you are love. Lord, and I pray that that you speak with such compassion and love and truth that that lives are forever changed and they come to know Jesus in a real way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Take a drink of water for this one. No, just messing. All right, so number one. What happens... When we ignore God's will for our lives. What happens when we ignore God's will for our life? So overall, there is God's overall will. We talked about it last week. We answered some really tough questions, but good questions. We answered, what is the purpose of life, which plays into this. We answered, why is there suffering? Like, why, why do people have to suffer, which was tough, and, but good at the same time. If you missed that, check out the podcast. Go back and listen to it. And then don't just take my word for it. Get in his word and be, uh, I like to say, be Berean about it. It's, it's something in Acts where Paul went to this 
this um, community in Acts that were called the Bereans. And they didn't just take Paul's word for it, but they went and searched out the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. So I challenge you guys to do the exact same thing. Go back and listen to the podcast. Listen to what I say today and don't just take my word for it, but judge it on scripture. And if it's in line with scripture, then man, let's line our life up with what God says, right? Amen? All right, good. So what happens when we ignore God's will for our life? God's overarching will as we learned, is, is the same as what is the purpose of life. His overarching will is, is for us to know him and for him to know us, for us to be in relationship with him. It shows in Revelations 21 that God's desire is that God would be with man. He would be, um, uh, we would be his people and he would be our God and we know him, you know, one-on-one in a personal relationship. And, John, and James, no, not James, sorry, John chapter 3, verse 16 like the most quoted verse in all the Bible. Most of you probably know this. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. What is perish? That is to die, death, experience death. If God is life, and that's who he is, we talked about this last week, then choosing not God is choosing death. It's choosing separation from the one who is life, right? So... Anyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And in in John 17, Jesus prayed these words, that we would experience eternal life because eternal life is knowing God. Like, it's not the sweet by and by, one day off in the sky. Eternal life is when we give our lives to Jesus, now we experience a relationship with him in the day in and day out moments of our life. Now, eternal life is knowing him now. That's amazing. And I'm going to read the rest of this, and I want you to listen. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The purpose is to save us from ourselves. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son, Jesus. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Shame, secret sin grows more dirty. We just want to hide what we don't want people to see, right? But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of of God. So what, what happens when we ignore God's ultimate will for our life? Well, once again, God's ultimate will is knowing him. If we ignore, we choose, no, I don't want to know you. I don't want to believe in Jesus. Then we are choosing separation from God who is life. And God, because he's good, because he's love, he gives us the choice. We have the opportunity to choose that to choose what we want in life. So we choose not life, we're choosing death. We're choosing the opposite of God, we're opposite of love, joy, peace, so we're choosing hate, we're choosing anxiety, and and we might think that we're happy because of happenings, because of moment by moment things that go on in our life, but there's no long lasting joy. The the happiness that we have is just because of circumstances, but when, when things happen in our life, is there joy? If you don't know God, there is no joy, there's no peace there. And if we die, because eternity is is playing out what we chose in life, if we die because we chose not God, then we live eternity 
with our choice, separation from God, eternal separation, eternal death, which is eternal separation, which it's hell, it sucks, for lack of a better word. But if we choose him, we're choosing his will, then we, we have eternity with him. Now, I assume the question wasn't necessarily going in that vein, but let's pull, pull that question back up again. What happens when we ignore God's will for our life? It was probably someone who has given their life to Jesus, and in the day in and day out, they're asking, what happens when I know God's will for my life, but I'm ignoring it with this little thing or this little thing, right? Well, Let's talk about that. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 14, 23 says, anything not done in faith is sin. And I want you guys to know that everything that I say, I love you guys a whole lot, okay? And I want what's best for you. Like, I do. So anything not done in faith is sin. So if we hear God's voice, which whether that's through his word, what he says in his word, what he says maybe through someone else, whether it's preaching or something like that, in prayer or maybe even our conscience, right? A lot of times God shows us what we should and shouldn't do from our conscience. Don't ignore your conscience, right? But we, we know what we should or shouldn't do and we ignore it. Anything not done in faith is sin, okay? Now, what happens when we do that? Similarly, we are choosing in that area of our life, we are choosing not God. So in that area of our life, we are experiencing non-life in that area of our life. In that area of life, we are experiencing the opposite of peace. We're experiencing anxiety and, and, and stress. We're experiencing anything that we choose that's not God in that single area. So when we know God's will, we choose not God's will, we're allowing for sin to cut us up, right? You're experiencing anxiety, you're experiencing stress, you're experiencing a lack of peace, a lack of joy. You're experiencing all this pain and suffering. That is a result of sin. In, in my life, about a week ago, I was stressing out about something. Like I, I was, right? I'm, I'm, I'm just a person. I'm not perfect. Just God's giving me the grace to be able to plant a church and preach. But I was stressing out about some stuff. I really was. I was like, God, what would you say to me? Like, I, this stress is not from you because I know that stress is a cousin of fear and there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. So anytime that I'm stressing, I'm trusting too much in myself, right? Because stress is a lack of trust in the one who we're supposed to trust, that he's got everything for us. He's got, he's got good plans for us. So I'm like, God, why, why am I... Like, why am I stressing? What's going on? Just praying, you know, in my bathroom. And, uh, and I just, I hear him say as clear as day, he says, let go. I'm like, well, okay, God, like, uh, there's a lot of people that say let go. That doesn't sound real practical. What, what do you mean let go? Give me control. Okay, give you control. I can give you control, but how? That's, that's kind of vague, God. How do I give you control? He said, obedience is giving me control. Think about that. Obedience is giving me control. Right? Because what are we doing when we're disobeying? We know God's will for our life. Whether that's he's leading us in a good direction or he's leading us away from a bad direction. We know God's will for our life. And 
we choose not to do that, we're saying, no, I don't want what you want for me. I want what I want for me in this area. And in that area, when we do that, we are allowing that sin to cut us up and the consequences of that sin to affect our life. And it hurts. So, the beautiful thing is, despite our choices, despite what we do there, God still loves us and he's calling out to us the whole time, hey, choose me, choose life. Even if we let a certain sin cut us up for five years, seven years, ten years, hey, choose me, stop that, run back to me, I love you. Hey, let's, you know what? Don't worry about the past. I've already paid for your past. Come on, let me take you from here, redeem you, and let's walk forward to your future that I've called you in. Because I love you. And it's amazing. How long do we get cut up by our own selfishness is up to us. Let me give you an example. And I'm telling you this in love. Sorry, this microphone went over my shoulder. All right. So an example. Sex outside of marriage. Like, God has created, it's God's will, God's plan for us to enjoy sex with our wife, and it's good, and it's amazing. But when we choose not to do that, we're allowing our relationship, it, it begins to just stress the relationship out. It begins, there begins to be anxiety and peace, and, and if, you, if you have sex with multiple women, then, then you have all of these, or, or multiple men, then you have all of these, um, these thoughts and these things that you were never designed to have that will have some kind of an effect on your future relationship. It can have effect on your future marriage and all of those things. God's best for you is to wait until you're married and, and wait for that. But when you open yourself up, because it's what culture's doing, it's what everybody's doing, it's, you open yourself up to allow sin to cut you to pieces. And the whole time, God's like, hey, I love you. Why are you doing this? This is not what's best for you. Stop. And we know it, right? And if that's you, you can run back to Jesus and say, hey, I don't want to follow my own will anymore. I want to follow yours. And he says, great, let me take your hand. I call you pure because I paid for your purity. I've paid for your past. Let's move forward in Jesus. Let's move forward. Come on. Let's go. That's how much he loves you. For me, for the first seven, for seven years from 18 to 25, the first five years of my marriage, Similarly, similar, similar, it was pornography. I, was, I struggled with pornography, right? Crazy thing is, 75% of men and a lot of women do as well. Jesus said, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, then that's the same as an adultery, oh, an adulterer. So I, I struggled with that for seven years. I kept choosing my own way. And God's the whole time is saying, why are you doing this? And it wreaked havoc on my marriage. Wreaked havoc on my marriage. I was letting this sin cut me up. And God finally set me free. Which is amazing. He can do that. Whatever you're going through, Jesus has paid the price. And we're going to get into that. So once again, if I'm going to... And I know uh, this, is, this is tough here. What's the next one? Next question. I'm not done with the other question. Is homosexuality a sin? 
Like, these are real questions that people are asking. Can a person be born homosexual? First, the Bible is clear that any kind of sexual immorality is a sin. Any kind. Like, just sleeping with your boyfriend outside of marriage is a sin like homosexuality is a sin. Like me when I struggled with pornography was a sin, right? That's, that's all sin that's cutting us up as people and is not God's best in God's plan for our life. Now, I'm, I'm tagging on this, this second part, can a person be a poor and homosexual because it was asked together and, and it's a big thing in our culture and I just want to address it for you guys. I'm not going to get into the science because really I don't think that matters. The reality of the situation is that, and check this out, and I've said this a, a lot from this stage. Do we teach a two-year-old to lie? Do you do you, have you, if you had kids, do you teach a two-year-old to lie? No. They naturally lie. Why? Because there's a nature inside that was passed down from Adam. Generation to generation, a nature that's passed down that is naturally bent to sin. Do you teach a two-year-old to steal? But if they want this and it's yours, they say, mine, and they walk away. There is a nature naturally bent towards sin, towards selfishness. So who am I to pick what person is naturally bent towards what? So if you, I don't know whether or not you can be born one way or not, but what I do know is you can be born again. Right? So if your, your proclivity is toward theft, God can, you can be born again, and your life can forever change, and you can have the identity that Jesus gives you. Your new creation in him. You're no longer who you always thought you were. If you have a leaning towards lying, the same thing. If you have a leaning towards pornography, if you have a leaning towards cheating on your, stop, give your life to Jesus, and he makes you a new creation where you don't have to walk in that way that cuts you up and cuts up every relation around you. Same thing with homosexuality. You can be born again. God loves you so much, and he cares about you so much. It's a big deal. What does it mean to be born again? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Let's look at it for a second. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we're believing in our heart that, that, that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again for us. He, he as, as separation, he's... I mean, um, as the substitution for our sin, like, like he paid the price for us and rose again. So just like we're doing baptism at the end of this service, um, when people are baptized, they go into the water. It's representing that it's no longer them who live. They died with Christ 2,000 years ago. The old them is completely dead. They're a new creation. When they raise up out of the water, it's representing that they're raised to new life with Jesus Christ. They have a new identity, and that identity is Jesus. Thought you were doesn't matter in Christ. Your weaknesses don't matter in Christ because God gives you His strengths. Your strengths don't matter in Christ because if if it's my strength and it's pride, but I'm going to trust in Jesus and He's going to make me strong in whatever areas I need to be strong in to walk out the life that He's called me to live. Amen. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I've said this before too. There's two words in the English language that don't go together. It's the words no and the words Lord. Think about that. If someone is the Lord of your life, you will never tell them no. You prove who the Lord 
of your life is by who you say yes to, what you say yes to. So if, if Jesus tells me to do something and I don't feel like it, then in that area of my, and I say no to Jesus and yes to how I feel, then in that area of my life, Jesus is not my Lord. I'm still my Lord. But if Jesus tells me to do something and I don't feel like doing it, but I know he told me and I confess with my mouth that he is Lord, therefore, no matter how I feel in the moment, no matter what it is, I'm gonna say yes to Jesus and no to me because he's the Lord of my life and I trust what he says over me because he's my creator. For example, if I was reading in this word and in context and everything and it said, that all six foot three men with black hair who are Caucasian must stand on their head for the rest of their lives. If I, if I was reading this and it said all, all Caucasian white guys, white boys with black hair must stand on their head for the rest of their lives. Well, that describes me. Now, I don't feel like standing on the head, my head for the rest of my life. I just don't. I don't want to do that. That's weird. People will look at me weird. It, it's, it's counter to what we all think. I am comfortable walking on my feet. But if Jesus said, because I've surrendered my life to him and I'm going to trust him no matter what he says, I'm trusting him and what he says about my life because I know he's good and he knows what's best for me. If he were to say that all six foot three white boys that have black hair are supposed to walk on their head for the rest of their life, guess what? I'm trying to walk on my head for the rest of my life. I've surrendered. Now, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to fail over and over because I can't do it. So I'm going to fail over and over and over, and I'm going to come to the end of myself, and then I'm going to cry out to God and say, God, why would you say this? Why would you say I have to walk on my head? I can't anymore. And he said, that's perfect. That's exactly where I want you to get to. And, I, and so I said, God, help me. I can't do it. Would you do it in and through me? And God says, yes, absolutely. That's what I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you to give up and let me have control. And in that moment, his grace empowers us to be a headwalker for the rest of our life. Does that make sense? It's his grace that empowers us to live out the life that he's called us to as we realize who he's called us to be. So what is it, question, what is it that God's been challenging you with? Because our role, our simple role, I think this is the next one, our responsibility is to let Jesus be Lord in every area of our life. That's our responsibility. We realize what he said about us. We realize that we're his son, and our responsibility is let Jesus be Lord. In any area of our life where we're not letting Jesus be Lord, we're allowing ourselves to be cut up because we're still the Lord, the Lord of our life in that area. So hopefully that, that answers the question, what happens when we ignore God's will for our lives? Now check this out. Here's the beautiful part. Next question. Will God still love and accept me into heaven if I continue to sin but still follow and trust in him? Is this even possible? I love this question. It's a great question. Whoever asked it, if it was someone, one of you, thank you for asking this question. Will God still love and accept me into heaven if I continue to sin? Is that even possible? Well, first, the first part of the question, I want to address something we don't give our life to Jesus as a get out of hell free card. Does that make sense? 
We don't come to the altar, say a prayer, say, God, oh, help me. Um, I give my life to you. Now I can go and live whatever way that I want and forget about that. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I came to the altar and prayed a prayer. Right? That's junk. That's not knowing God and allowing him to know you. That's like praying a prayer and going on. That's not Christianity. It's not Jesus Christ didn't die and rise again just to get you to heaven. He died and rose again so that you could know him and allow him to know you. To get heaven into use, you experience his life now. His peace now. His joy now. He helped you overcome things in your life now. It's amazing. Like, I'm so scared that there's a lot of church people throughout the world that have done that they, they think that they know God because of grandma or great-grandma. They think that they know God because every now and then they read a devotion, they close it, and they go on about their business. And in Matthew 7, 21, it says, Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord. You know when they said, Lord, Lord, they, they put two words together. It, it meant they, they thought that they were friends. Like, it, it would be like me saying to uh, my brother who lives in Texas and he comes, he's, oh, Luke, Luke, man, I'm so glad you're here. Like, it means like closeness, you know. Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord. So they thought they were friends. Did I not prophesy in your name, cast out demons, heal the sick, you know, do all these miracles? So they did a lot. And it says, then I will tell them plainly, depart from me, you evildoer, for I never wait a second, they did all of those things, all of those amazing things, like heal the sick and all that stuff, and still, yeah, why? Because it's a relationship. It's not based on your works. It's not based on what you do and don't do. It's based on how, do you know him and does he know you? But don't, can't God know every, like, doesn't God know everything about me? Does he, he know uh, everyone and knows the ins and outs? Well, think about this. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock of your heart will you let him in what does that mean God's a gentleman he'll know the parts of you that you let him know secret sin only grows more dirty because we're hiding it from his light remember what we read in John 3 but when we expose ourselves to the light God, I screwed up in this area. God, I'm, 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 I can't get over this sin. God, I, help me, help me. I need you. I, and we realize we face what we've been struggling with. Don't make excuses for it. Don't try to hide it anymore. But we face it and we say, you know what? I am that guy. I have screwed up in those times. And God, I, I'm, I need your help in this area. I need you. We're allowing his light to penetrate our heart. And when light penetrates darkness, what happens to the darkness? It leaves. It can't stay. So, will God still love and accept me into heaven if I continue to sin, but still follow and trust in him? Now, this person, if they follow and trust in him, that means what I'm thinking is, that means that they've given their life to Jesus. They have believed in their heart that Jesus died and rose again, and they've confessed it with their mouth that he's their Lord, but their life isn't quite showing yet that he's the Lord of their life, right? They've confessed it by faith, but they're still struggling. 
Will God still love and accept me? Check this out. This is my favorite. Like, this is the good part, guys. This is where it gets good. Go to Romans chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Read this with me. Whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will count against them if they do it 10 more times. Is that what it says? No. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will count against them if they do it 100 more times. Is that what it says? Never. How long is never? That's pretty amazing, right? Never's, never's a long time. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never. Who, who is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him? You know, when I ask people on the street that, they say, Jesus. Jesus never sinned. Oh. Who is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him? It's the one who's trusted in Jesus for their salvation. It's the one who believes that Jesus died and rose again and by faith confessed him as Lord. It might not look like, the circumstances might not look like it, but I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus and I'm continuing to walk toward him in faith because my circumstances, my life is going to change because my eyes on Jesus, it's not on all of my failures and my mistakes. I'm walking forward in him no matter what. I might fall and I might fall, but I'm going to fall forward into him because I know that he forgives me. How many of your sins does he forget? Just your past ones? A lot of people think that. Man, wouldn't that be a tragedy that if you only forgave your past sins and then you screw up and die and just, you're out of luck, man. No, that's, apologize for saying this. I don't mean to belittle your, you know, but that's dumb. It just is. Jesus died 2,000 years ago. Everything he forgave was future sins for you. Right? So what does that mean? Is it greasy grace? Like grace is getting what you don't deserve. You don't deserve to be that forgiven. Like, I don't deserve that. Is it greasy grace? I can just go and do what I want? No, no, no. When you understand the depth of how loved and how forgiven you are by God, even though you've continued in this crap, you understand how forgiven you are, you're freed from the crap. You're freed to live in him, to walk in him, to follow him with everything that you have. How do I know? Romans chapter 6, verse 14. I don't think I have the scripture up there, so you're going to have to listen to me and, or look, up, look it up in your Bible. Romans 6, 14. It's amazing. It says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. So if you're under grace, under not earning it for yourself, but under receiving what Jesus has done for you completely, you realize you've been forgiven, then sin is not your master anymore. If sin is your master of any area of your life, then you have a misunderstanding of how forgiven you are. Did you catch that? If sin is a master of any area of your life, the reason it's the master is because when you fall, you don't run to him because you feel shame and guilt. But if you realized how forgiven you were, when you fell, you'd run to him because you realized he's your father and he can, he can help you to walk forward instead of walking back into that old mess and continuing getting cut up over and over and over and over and over. 
loves you so much. He's forgiven you so much. In 2 Peter 1, it says that, that people who struggle over and over with things have forgotten that they've been forgiven. I just think that there's a lot of people in here that are struggling with sin in their life. And some of you have never given your life to Jesus. You've never received the free gift that, that Jesus paid for your, for your life. You've never, you've never surrendered. You never said, you know what, I'm confessing you as Lord, not me anymore, you. I'm confessing you as my Lord. When you do that, man, you, you experience this life and this peace that you've never, you can never imagine. You become a new creation from the inside out and you experience, you start a relationship with God. Like a real one. Not religious junk that's only Sunday morning. No, I'm talking Monday night, Friday night, alone. You can pray and, and get in the Word. I mean, it's amazing. And then there's some people in here that have done that, but you've been running from God for so long because you just hadn't been able to get over this certain area of your life. And it's time to run back to him to realize that he's paid the price for that, that he loves you, he still loves you. He wants to grab your hand and walk you forward, not back. He wants, he wants you to know that you're already set free. You can step out of those chains. Let's, just, let's all stand up. don't mind I greatly appreciate it and let's just let's close our eyes and if you're good like if, if everything I'm saying is just hit home and you're like man God you're so good would you just pray would you just begin to pray right now because there are people right now who their guts are turning inside out and they're nervous because they know that God is calling them to freedom and if that's you if right now you feel that, like, and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, but you know it's time to surrender your life to him, would you raise your hand right now on the count of three? One, two, three. Anybody in here? I see you. I see you. That's one. Anybody else who want to surrender their life to Jesus? That's amazing. That's amazing, man. I love it. Let's pray. You and I, let's pray. Just pray this with me and agree with everybody. Just, just everybody praying. But just mean this with everything you have. You have a brand new life. You ready? Say, God, I believe in you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me for raising again new life you did that so I could be forgiven I realize I need to be forgiven I give you my life right now forgive me thank you for forgiving me help me to live for you I receive your forgiveness I receive
Thanks for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or would like to get to know us, be sure to check us out on social media by searching Real Church Clearwater or visit us online at www.realchurch.us. If you'd like to play a part in what we're doing, you can do so right where you are. Your prayers are powerful and effective. You can also be a part through giving. Go to realchurch.us and click the Give button. Whether you're praying, giving, or serving with Real Church, you are playing a part in every life being changed. Thank you. Until our next podcast, be blessed. We'll see you next time.